welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, good morning, church. Welcome to our final week of Signs, Wonders and Miracles. Um, I've really enjoyed this term. Um, a lot of feedback's been great, sharing how it's been really challenging, especially when we started with Peter on July the 11th all the way through until today. Um, yeah, just super challenging because this is what we want to see, but often we're not seeing it and it requires something of us. And that requirement is believing and going on a journey where there's inner consent, where we want to give our lives to seeing through God's view of reality. We want to see the things that he sees. We want to know what matters to him. We want to delve more into what his will is, his heart's desire for all people. And it requires, honestly, for us to become obsessed with it, a tenacious attitude, I'm not giving up, a whatever it takes, I'm not changing the subject. So a lot of people won't actually live like this. A lot of people won't see it because of what it takes to get there. But I know that our heart at Echo with Lee and I and the core team and staff and small group leaders and leadership team, we're hungry for this. We want to see it. And we want to see this church be known for moving in signs, wonders and miracles and the prophetic and hearing God and, and ministering to people where they're convinced that he's real. We want people to encounter Jesus and we feel that this is one of the methods and the primary ways that he's going to move through Echo Church so that we can impact this city. Last week was really cool. It was You Feed Them. I'm not going to recap too much, but I want to read one scripture about the encounter that Jesus had when he took James, John and Peter up to the mountain in Matthew chapter 17. So let's get straight into it and we're going to just bounce out of this encounter that they had into what I feel he wants to talk about today in our last week. Matthew 17, 1 to 6, six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up to a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched Jesus, appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. As the men watched Jesus, his appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Other translations say he was transfigured and his, his clothes became like lightning. The context there is otherworldly. He was having a heavenly experience with his heavenly father. Verse 3, suddenly Moses, Elijah appeared and began talking with them. That's wild, talking with Jesus. Verse 4, Peter exclaimed, Lord, if it's wonderful, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. The father ignored that, verse 5. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. We spoke about a key component of this life was the authority that has been given to us, the power that has been given to us. So Jesus beautifully expects us to sort out everything that is opposite to the kingdom of God that we face. The disciples said, hey, how are we going to feed these 5,000 people? Jesus said, you feed them. And that was our message last week. 
and the you feed the message was critical for me to grow in it. Every time I prayed for someone, every time I was believing for myself, it was this intrinsic thing deep in me that he's given me the tools, the keys and the ability to see miracles through my hands, through his power. So I want to keep that in mind as we move on into another story of encounter. You feed them comes out of encounter. Jesus was able to heal and deliver and minister because he was always praying and fasting. It wasn't just an event. It was a lifestyle. He was always with the Father, praying, constantly hearing, sneaking up and having quality time, but then all the time in communion. And that came out of an encounter. So let's move on into another encounter in Acts chapter 9. During those days, Saul, full of angry threats and rage, wanted to murder the disciples of the Lord Jesus. So he went to ask the high priests and requested a letter of authorization he could take to the Jewish leaders in Damascus, requesting their cooperation in finding and arresting any who were followers of the way. That's really, really interesting. Really interesting. He was trying to get authorization to find out who was believers so that they could be arrested. Then it says, Saul wanted to capture all of the believers he found, both men and women, and drag them as prisoners back to Jerusalem. Verse 3, so he obtained authorization and left Damascus. His request was granted. He had the document. It was legal for him to find out where they lived, to kidnap them, take them, and take them back to Jerusalem where they would be put in prison, beaten, and ultimately, potentially murdered. Verse 3, so he obtained the authorization and left Damascus. Just outside the city, a brilliant light flashing from heaven suddenly exploded all around him. I'm going to read that again. Just outside the city, just after he'd received the authorization and left for Damascus, a brilliant light flashing from heaven suddenly exploded all around him. Verse 4, falling to the ground, he heard a booming voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The men accompanying Saul were stunned and speechless for they heard a heavenly voice but could see no one. Saul replied, who are you, Lord? Interesting. I am Jesus, the victorious, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city where you'll be told what to do. I'm going to pump this next part out quick, but it's important we hear it. Saul stood to his feet and even though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. He was blind. So the men had to take him by the hand and lead him into Damascus. For three days, he didn't eat or drink and couldn't see a thing. Living in Damascus was a believer named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling his name Ananias. 
Yes, Lord, Ananias answered. The Lord said, go at once to the street called Abundance and look for a man from Tarsus named Saul. You will find him at Judah's house. While he was praying, he saw a supernatural vision, a man named Ananias coming to lay hands upon him to restore his sight. So Paul's having encounter after encounter. Verse 13. But the Lord said, Ananias replied, Many have told me about this terrible persecution of those in Jerusalem who are devoted to you. In fact, the high priest has authorized him to seize and imprison all those in Damascus who call on your name. The Lord answered him, Arise and go. I have chosen this man to be my special messenger. He will be brought before kings, before many nations, and before the Jewish people to give them the revelation of who I am. And I will show him how much he is destined to suffer because of his passion for me. Ananias left there and found the house where Saul was staying. He went inside and lay hands on him, saying, Saul, my brother, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me to pray for you so that you might see again and be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. I want to end that there. We know the story that the, the scales lifted. He was baptized. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and he went out preaching and teaching and doing miracles and those people all around were astonished. And multiple times in the New Testament, you can actually see that they were stunned because the one that were persecuting them was now one of them. Peter, James and John and Jesus had an incredible encounter that changed their life. Jesus brought them into that one-on-one -on -one, face to face time with Jesus and it changed their life and their perspective and they operated and moved out of encounter. Paul, a serial killer, became the greatest believer, influencer, Christian that the world has ever seen. 13 books he wrote in the New Testament. And out of that encounter <coughs> came extraordinary life. I want to read this one more time. Acts 9, 3 to 7. He obtained the authorization and left Damascus. Just outside the city, a brilliant light flashing from heaven suddenly exploded all around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a booming voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The men accompanying him were stunned and speechless for they heard a heavenly voice. Wow. Peter, James and John saw Jesus face be transfigured and become otherworldly and lightning flash over his clothes and his face shone like the sun. The Old Testament, they saw that with Moses as well and they were scared and they had to put a veil over his face. This is a big deal. Paul had a similar encounter. Flashes of light from heaven exploded all around him. A booming voice, a heavenly voice. He was on the way to slaughter Christians and Jesus showed up. No matter where we are going, Jesus wants to show up. No matter where our friends are heading, our family is heading, no matter what road they are on, they are one encounter away from breakthrough. They are one encounter away from knowing that Jesus is the Son of God. Encounters are 
the Christian life. They are not an important tool or key or part of it. They are the life. It's the central part of our relationship with God, encounters and experience with him. Jesus said, you think you know the scriptures and that they lead to eternal life. No, no, no. They point to me. John 17, and this is eternal life, that you know me, the Greek word, that you experience me. It's amazing that three significant encounters, the baptism of Jesus, where the heavens opened, which fulfilled the the prophecy of Isaiah, rend the heavens. The heavens were rendered. They were torn open. It was a violent act. The same Greek word was used with the veil being torn in the temple and the, the rocks being split open at the crucifixion. It was a violent act. The heavens were open as Jesus came out of the water, being baptized by John. The Holy Spirit descended on him and remained on him. And a voice said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. Then we have the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James and John and Jesus. Encounters, lightning, otherworldly glory and Jesus saying this is my son whom I'm well pleased and now the road to Damascus bright light shining glory presence all around him Um, Jesus saying Paul I've chosen you I've marked you wow the four most influential people in the Bible all had supernatural crazy otherworldly encounters that aren't meant to be for them they're meant to be for us I wrote this encounters cause us and allow us to truly know and experience what God is like. It is face to face, it's heart to heart, where we experience perfect love, not just know about it. Where we find out how he thinks and how he feels and how he sees the world and people, where we discover what matters to him. Because we love him, that impacts us. Because we want to live for him, It causes change and transformation. And Paul was similar. That encounter prompted him to learn and grow. And he went away for years and studied and learnt. And it was an incredible transformation. And out of that came this scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 15. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Something significant happened in the life of Paul, and it led to being controlled and compelled by love, which then led to this. Acts 19, 11, 12. And God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that handkerchiefs and aprons were even carried from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and evil spirits went out by the hands of Paul. Encounter which led to perfect love controlling and compelling his life and laying down his life for the Lord, the one who rescued him on the road, which led to a life of miracles, extraordinary miracles, which also led to this, Acts 27 to 12. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day. He prolonged his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where they were gathered together. 
and there was a young man named Eutychus sitting on the windowsill, sinking into a deep sleep. And as Paul kept talking, Eutychus was overcome by sleep and fell down from the third floor and was picked up dead. But Paul went down and fell upon him and embracing him, he said, do not be troubled for he is still alive. When Paul had gone back and had broken the bread and eaten, he talked with them a long while until daybreak. So not just midnight, all the way through to morning. And then he left. They took the boy away. They took away the boy alive and were greatly comforted. Paul didn't pray for the boy. He embraced him and spoke life. So this lifestyle is birthed out of being with Jesus. It is birthed out of encounter, truly experiencing his character and nature. What's the evidence? A transformed life that bears fruit. Our life shows up what we believe. The life of Paul was evidence that he truly knew God and that he also believed God enough to live it out. Paul was convinced. But he wasn't just convinced that God would move through him for others. He was also convinced that God was willing, able and wanted to do the same for Paul personally. It's one thing to pray for others, but do you pray for yourself? It's one thing to believe for other people, but do you believe for yourself? It's one thing to declare life and great bold things over other people, but do you do that for yourself with belief attached, which results in answered prayer? I want us to talk about that it's got to start with us first. And when we look at the life of Paul, he lived out for others, ministering to people through the power of the Holy Spirit, but he was convinced that God had him and he was protected and lived in divine health and wholeness and breakthrough. Is he doing it in you or is he doing it for others through you? And I was convicted about this when I went on this journey. This was huge. All the lists of the identity, the will of God, the plan of God, power and authority, prayer and declarations, you feed them. This is another massive part. The why not me, this is another massive part and it is, it's, it's got to start with me. I've got to have victory and breakthrough in my own life, with my own health, with my own wholeness, with my own mindsets before I begin to do it for others. Small personal victories will result in great public breakthrough. Small personal victories will result in great public breakthrough. Personal victories become public success. Paul was convinced personally and then convinced that God wanted to move through him for others. He flowed in both. When we've got to flow in both church. We can't just be on the healing team praying for people's healing, but we, we've got no belief, no faith, no assurity, no confidence in our own health and wholeness. It's challenging and it's harder because we can pray for others and we can almost go, all the best. But for us, we're stuck with ourselves. And we know the pain that's in our body. We know the, 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 the years of 
stuff we've gone through and it's challenging, but he's inviting us church to go into a season of belief, of time with Jesus, of talking with him, asking questions and getting breakthrough. So my final thought in this series is it's got to start with me. Paul was convinced for himself, but he was convinced for others. For me, there is something wrong for me personally with consistently, consistently having more faith and confidence, praying, declaring and believing for someone else, but I struggle. There's themes and thoughts and truth throughout the whole New Testament that, that teach that when we're faithful with little, we're faithful with much. That when we give, we're given too. Freely you've received, now freely give. We can't give what we don't have. And Paul lived this out beautifully. He was convinced and closing out with some scriptures. 2 Timothy 1.12 For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know, I've experienced whom I have believed. Wow, that's deep. For I know, Greek word ganisko, to, I, I, I have experienced Jesus. I've experienced. He encountered him on the road. I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he, the one I encountered, the one I know, the one I'm one with, the one that lives in me, the one that I've laid my life down for, I am convinced that he is able to protect what I have entrusted to him until that day. Romans 8, 38 to 39, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor present nor future, nor any powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I'm convinced, and this one's wild. Philippians 1, to 25. For to me, Paul saying, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. This is wild. He was on the way to murdering Christians. He had an encounter that changed him. God saw who he was, saw his heart, pulled it out of him, saw the gold, champion him, celebrate him and position him for destiny. And Paul gave him his life because he was rescued. Verse 23, I'm torn between two desires. I long to go to be with Christ, which would be far better. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. 25, knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. Wow, this is ridiculous. Paul's why, reason and purpose for existence, Paul's why was the will of God. Something happens when his will becomes our why. Something happens when we truly lay down our lives for the king and the kingdom and everything, including wife, kids, family, thriving, business, everything flows from under that. Something happens when his will becomes our why. Verse 25, knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can, t- so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. Are you ready for this next scripture? 
Paul was convinced that he was going to be kept healthy and whole because he had an assignment to bring heaven to earth. Do you have the same assurance that you've got a call, an assignment, a why, a, a calling all over you that, that no one else can fulfill? Are you convinced that you'll be kept whole and alive until you meet Jesus? It's a massive question. Hey, it's challenging, but this is your lot. Let's finish it out with this. Acts chapter 28, verse 1 to 6. Okay, Paul was convinced for him and for others. And he just come off a massive shipwreck. He's about to be imprisoned and he's starving and beaten and on a, a, and a ship run aground. They had to jump out and swim. And man, this is just crazy. Read Acts chapter 27. I don't have time. So they've just been shipwrecked in Malta. And this is, verse, this is chapter 28, closing, landing the plane. Acts 28, 1 to 6. When they had been brought safely through, then we found out that the island was called Malta. The natives showed us extraordinary kindness. For they kindled a fire and took us all in because of the rain that had started and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself on his hand. Verse 4, when the natives saw the creature, the snake, hanging from the hand, hanging from his hand, they began saying to one another, undoubtedly, this man is a murderer. Wow. Oh, we can't even go there. And though he has been saved from the sea, interesting. Oh, can't even go there. Red Sea, saved, salvation, murderer. Can't go there. Verse 5. However, Paul shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. Verse 6. Now they were expecting that he was going to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had waited a long time watching to see if he was going to die because it was a viper and had seen nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and began to say that he was a god. Encounter on the road, teaching, growing, discipling, fathering churches, miracles, 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 aprons and handkerchiefs being put on people that were touching him while he was a tent maker and sweating and people getting healed, tormented, delivered. He raised um, Eutychus, Eutychus from the dead after falling during his preaching. And then we can see clearly here that he was convinced that God was going to keep him alive. Philippians 1.25 manifested, I'm convinced that God will keep me alive so I can fulfill my assignment so that I can see you all grow and that your faith can bring you joy. And a viper latched onto him and he should have died, but he didn't because he was convinced that God held him and had him. Mark 16.17 And these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. Tick, that's Paul. They will speak in new languages. Tick, check this out. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it will not hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Are you convinced? We're either convinced or we're double-minded. James is strong about that. He said, the double-minded cannot expect anything from God. And I'm super challenged with this. 
And this has been something that I've understood of the Great Commission, that it's not just about others, but it's if you handle snakes and drink poison, that you're going to be okay if you believe it. You're not okay if you don't believe it. Belief accesses the kingdom realm. Belief accesses promises. By faith in Hebrews, they obtained promises. Faith is the currency of heaven and his kindness and grace enables us to have faith. This requires an intentional journey. There is an unmatched power that happens when this lifestyle starts with us first. And I've gone on this journey with coughs and colds, with sore throats, with believing to be instantly healed without taking any medicine. And we value medicine. We value doctors. But I've been on this journey of wanting the Lord to heal me all the time. And, I, and, and Al's been on a journey. I don't th- Al, type in the comments. I don't think you went through like a six year period of not having a cold um, because every time you got a tickle on the throat, you laughed at it because colds aren't from God. Colds aren't part of the deal. Oh, it's just winter. No, no. Sickness and anything that causes us harm is opposite to the king and the kingdom. What standard are we living by? It's challenging because we just slip into that's normal. No, no, it's not normal. Colds, coughs, sore throats. I began just to laugh at them. And honestly, I, doctors are amazing, but I, I just didn't go to the doctors for five, six, seven years because... I was healthy and every time I got something, I'd laugh at it, declare it, and it would go within a day. And I was learning and growing in it. And I've had seasons of up and down of, recently I've been like, I can't be bothered contending. Went and got antibiotics. And that's fine. But we've got to go on a journey of owning what decision we're making. If we choose medicine all the time, good on you. We want to be healed and, and whole and healthy. If you want to choose a journey of, I'm going to test this out for a few months and not take anything. I want to talk to, have some wisdom around um, uh, leaders in my life and mothers and fathers that I trust. And um, depending on the level of severity of diagnosis, I'll process that with them and the doctor. And we never say stop taking medicine if you've been given a terminal illness or something that's really catastrophic or full on. We never say stop taking medicine. That's a decision that you've got to come to on your own with your doctor when you start to see fruits and belief of some stuff in your life. We'd never say don't. But, but some of this little stuff, I wanted to grow in it. Faithful with little, faithful with much. I remember I shot myself in the thumb with a nail gun in 2013. The first job Arise Landscaping took when we got back from Bethel. And it was sticking out of my thumb. I was doing some garden edging. And I remembered straight away, I freaked out. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And I pulled it out. It was in my thumb, a nail, a power gun. Like if I shot it from here to go 10 meters into my thumb bone. And I pulled it out and I quickly checked if there was nothing that had snapped off in my bone. And I looked at it and then I took a photo. Um, (laughs) And then I, I started walking up down. The pain was wild, no blood. It was just this like clear liquid stuff. I don't even know what it was, um, was pouring out. And I, and I just began speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, walking up and down the nature strip. And you'll see a picture on the screen of my thumb and the nail and also the front fence that I was walking along. I think I text Julie about it um, from memory, but I was just processing. Like I sat in my car and I was freaking out. Um, but then I just started going, God, what do you want to do? 
God, what do you want to do? It's, uh, this whole life, I've seen so many miracles. I'd seen so much stuff personally, um, health and wholeness, but this was another level. And I'm like, God, what do you want to do? Praying in tongues, just saying, God, no. Pain, go in Jesus' name. Um, pray, and, I, and, 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 and I felt peace come and the pain go. And I didn't go to the doctors and it was totally fine. And I'm talking, I had a nail stuck in my thumb bone. And it was only a little thin one, but it's still no good. And it came out with, came out with a lot of force and it hurt a lot. And just over the years, landscaping, injured, dropping beams on my thumb, and just processing it with the Lord, not being stupid or crazy. But we've got to understand that fear can actually sometimes masquerade as wisdom. And for some people, for something that's wisdom for one person could actually be unbelief for another because we're all on a different journey. So it's really important that people don't go, ah, oh, you're a loose cannon, blah, blah, blah. It's like, let's, let's believe the best Let's seek understanding. Let's ask questions. Let's read the scriptures. Let's have mothers and fathers and leaders speaking into our life. Let's, let's pursue this lifestyle of miracles, but let's become convinced not only for external power to be released, but for the power that lives within us to manifest and we believe that we're healed and whole, and that we can live a life of protection and peace and health and wholeness. It is a journey. It is a process. I've had up, downs, left and right, failing, successes, risks, boldness. Um, I've grown lots and I'm still on a journey and I'm fascinated by it all. And we've got to stay humble and hungry, but he's, he's got so much in store for us. So I want to encourage you with this series. It's got to start with us. Hey, freely you have received for you. Yes, power and authority, but you've received everything that you need for life and godliness, Peter said. I want to encourage you, church. I'm excited.